Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Listen now to the word of the Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that, he, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. I heard many years ago that there's probably no greater power in a child's life than the unlived life of their parent. (laughs) The expectation of, if I could do it all over, this is what I would do. I uh, grew up in North Dallas in Richardson, just bordering this big city of Dallas. But I was born into a family of strict homebodies. They were very comfortable spending all our time at home. A special event would be Black Eyed Pea or something like that. You know, it would, they rarely would go out. And so when I got my driver's license, I, I discovered that you can really just drive kind of anywhere as long as you get home in time for dinner. I discovered that Dallas, there's a lot of stuff to do there. And I found all these different places, these museums, dis- different parts of the city I never knew existed. And I found out about this place called the Dallas World Aquarium. Has anybody been there? So it's an odd name because it's not really an aquarium because there's more than just like tanks of fish and stuff like that. I, when I went in there, I just, I stepped into my place and I thought, to, I thought to myself, I cannot believe that this has been here the whole time. When I have a kid, they're going to come to a place like this, right? I'm going to open up the world to them and their minds are just going to be blown away by the beauty of God's creation. So Dylan is three years old now. We went to Dallas to see my family recently. And I thought to myself, it's time for her to go to the Dallas World Aquarium. She loves animals. And I just had this picture of her walking in this room and just being, my father, I cannot believe this exists. You know, so the way this is, it's like a small hallway and it opens up into this room that's well larger than the size of our sanctuary. And in this room are there the most colorful birds in the world flying around like they're loose flying around you look over the side and there's pools of alligators sharks penguins like everywhere like you just it's just surrounding you it's this just unbelievable opportunity to step in this room and see all of this so I watched Dylan she walked in and looked around and saw an iPad around 10 feet away Went straight to it, and it was just pictures of the animals, you know, describing their, like, you know, scientific names. And she just spent the whole time doing this, and then she saw another iPad about 10 feet that way, and just leapfrogged through the whole aquarium from iPad to iPad. And I was so annoyed, you know? I had big plans for this day. And meanwhile, I'm feeling bad for the animals. You know, I, I, I really remember a monkey pulling out card tricks trying to do anything to, to impress Dylan. They're tap dancing and nothing. I mean, it was just iPads. And I was watching and I was like, 
how annoying is this? This is a beautiful opportunity that has been wasted because she doesn't want to be present. She wants to be somewhere else. And, and uh, allowing God to use the present moment to be my teacher, I thought to myself, I wonder how guilty I am of this as well. John Calvin talked about this world uh, not in the fallen brokenness that some people might describe it, but he, the way that Calvin explains it, this world is the theater of God's glory, and we're surrounded by it. And for me, I know it's so much of my life, I, I'm just not even present. I, I read a report that the average American spends two hours and 46 minutes on their phone every day. Uh, and so I thought to myself, well, I need to figure out what's going on with me. And so me and some people on our staff, we did this thing. There's an app called Moments. Of course, you go to an app, right? But it's an app called Moments where it actually logs in how many minutes a day you're on your phone and how many times you unlock it. So how many times you're actually kind of doing your little code and actually turning on your phone. And I had everyone guess how many minutes and how many times they unlocked their phone. It was really interesting. Everyone was less than the national average. We're, we use around our phone around two hours a day. Yay. <laughs> but the interesting thing is we all kind of thought maybe we turn on our phone or like unlock it, pick it up 36 times a day. The average for us was 49, 50. 50 times a day we're pulling out our phone, kind of disappearing in this thing, not being fully present because of something else. And for me, what I've noticed in myself Knowing that I'm tracking each time I turn it on, I do it less, but even then I still did it probably around 50 times. My impulse is whenever I was bored, whenever I wanted to kind of get away but I was stuck somewhere, right, that's when I pulled this out. Whenever I didn't want to be present, that's when I pulled out my phone. This idea of being present is so incredibly important. Uh, even for people who are not Christian, the idea of not being present is a tragic thing, but how much so, more so for those people who are God's beloved? This call to be present. I want to begin with just a premise for the rest of the sermon. There might not be any more powerful sacrament in the Christian life than the present moment. There might not be any more powerful sacrament in the Christian life than the present moment. That word sacrament means different things to different people. As, as Presbyterians, we celebrate the sacrament of baptism, and the Lord's Supper, communion. This, the word sacrament means a unique vehicle of God's grace. So we believe there's a unique experience of God's grace when we take a communion and we experience baptism. But what I'd like to just share with you is something that God's teaching me. This is kind of a dangerous thing to preach on something that you're in the middle of learning. Um, but I, what I'm thinking is there's no more powerful vehicle of God's grace than this moment right here, the present moment. In the mid-1700s, a French Jesuit priest by the name of Jean-Pierre de Cassade talked about the sacrament of the present moment. And for me, it's been something that's been rattling around my heart and my mind, convicting me and waking me up in a way I haven't expected in our scripture reading today, we heard a story about two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus. Uh, we know a lot of things about Martha. She is incredibly sacrificial. She was willing to open up her home to Jesus and all of his followers and be able to give of her resources 
food and lodging hospitality to them. She's an incredibly giving person. She's almost even courageous. Jesus is marching towards Jerusalem, soon to be put to death. And there's a lot of hostility built around him. But Martha's not afraid. She opens up her home and is not afraid of being identified with him. Yet, she's a flawed character like you and I. And I, as I read this passage recently, I, what I've realized, there's two words that jump out to me. And jump out to me has been convicting me lately as I've been thinking about being alive in the present moment. The first is around this word in verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. The idea of being worried. In the original language, that is, uh, is the same thing as the idea of being inwardly torn or divided into two. When you are worried, your soul and your mind are separated between here and not here, right? Like you, when you are worried, I just hope my kid is okay. I hope I get that job. I, I hope that everything's all right with my loved one. You're worried. I, I hope that I get to pull off this event when Jesus is coming here and worried and worried. What this word is saying is, Martha, you are being torn. You're not fully here. Half of you is here and half of you is somewhere else in worry. Jesus spoke about this elsewhere in Luke 12. Jesus spoke about the power of worry. Worry has the, has the ability to pull us out of the present moment. Jesus said this. Then the, Jesus said to the disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. The ravens. There are more beautiful birds that Jesus could have. But even the nasty ravens, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have storeroom or barns, yet God feeds them. In place of weariness, we have God's provision, God's providence. And how much more valuable are you than those birds? And who of you, by worrying, could add one hour to your life, since you cannot do this very thing? Why do you worry about the rest? In the kindness of Jesus, he goes on to say what you should be attentive with instead. But seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus points the worrier to God's love and provision, but also calls them to seek, present tense, right here, right now, Seek out God's kingdom. Instead of worrying, just give that up. Rely on me and seek my kingdom instead. The second word that jumps out in this passage is is in verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. One of the greatest foes of being present, being alive in the present moment, is the simple reality that we are distracted people. This word in its original language means to twist, to be part here and be part there. And Martha displays this in this passage, that she's distracted by what? By her list of things to do. Got to pull out the the pot roast right at the right time, right? Got the guest over. But she's also distracted by something else. Comparison, she's distracted by Mary, right? She's distracted by the fact that she is just sitting there, lazy, doing nothing and just wrapping it up in this polished veneer of listening to Jesus. She needs to get up and help, right? Does anyone else identify with Martha in this regard? I do. But she's also distracted not only 
by Mary, but also by Jesus. Notice the words that Jesus says, or that she says to Jesus. Don't you care? Right? Don't you care? And so in the midst of her good deeds, she's being distracted. And between the idea of being worried and distracted, how many of us does that characterize our life? We're worried and we're distracted people. At least it doesn't happen in the church. We're not worried or distracted at all. We're not too busy. Many ways, if you were to stop and take a poll and ask the simple question, what holds you back from being more proactive in your spiritual life? What holds you back from spending more time in your spiritual disciplines to be more like Mary? What holds you back? My guess is if we were to do a poll, the word that would come up more than anything else, think about your word, I'm too busy. I'm just too busy for that. I want to be a Mary, but I got a Martha life, you know? When I sit and hear you empty nesters talk about your morning quiet time, it makes me sick. (laughs) I get to wake up, pour my cup of coffee, sit down in my special chair, read the Bible, read Jesus calling, think about life. You know, I just go, oh my goodness, that's just not my life. In many ways, oftentimes lately, I'm woken up before my alarm goes off by a child screaming for us in the baby monitor. And it seems like the rest of my day is responding to needs, right? Putting out fires, checking off things in the to-do list. I'm too busy to be a Mary, right? Maybe that might be you too. We're in the midst of this crazy life. In many ways, what I love about this passage is the juxtaposition Whoever wrote this, this gospel, the beautiful Luke's gospel, I love how they set in comparison two stories side by side. Because in many ways, we defend Martha by saying, we all can't just sit around, right, and just listen to God. There are things to do in God's kingdom. What The passage just before this is the well-known passage of the Good Samaritan. This beautiful passage about... If you want to be a part of God's kingdom, you've got to be courageous in your giving of yourself. And it's like just perfectly transitions. But just in case you think that your spiritual life is all about doing, you also have to sit at the Lord's feet and be with Him. It is both in our doing and our quietude. It's in our, it's in our acts of great service and it's our acts of great stillness that we are able to exist in this Christian life and to grow and to flourish be the people that God has created us to be. And for many of us who are busy, busy, busy doing these things, perhaps Jesus could say, stop. Instead of doing things for me, how about try being with me? Don't allow your busyness to replace just simply knowing me. And I'm way too guilty of this. This is not a sermon about choosing between being a Mary and a Martha. For me, I think being with Jesus is more than just sitting in stillness and silence, although that is part of it. It is also in our acts of service to do it in communion with God. It's to to be present in that moment so even in our Martha life of doing and serving that we can think about it in worship, that we actually think of it doing this alongside Jesus for his namesake, to bless other people. Perhaps that's what Jesus said, when, what meant when he said in verse 42, only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed. And that's to be with me. Even in your doing, you could be with me. 
if that's where your heart was, if that's what you truly wanted, maybe that's the idea of praying without ceasing that Paul was talking about that you and I just throw out the window because we don't know what to do with it. Maybe praying without ceasing is living in a posture of being awake and alive in the present moment, of having this partner and uh, constant companion along with us in our stillness, in our quietude, in our meditation, as well as in our acts of service. Wherever we go, we're in prayer, we're in communion with the Lord. One of the reasons why this is so incredibly tragic is when we are people that are not in the present moment, we are missing out on so much of what God has to offer. One of the most powerful books that I read as a, as a young man was um, C.S. Lewis's book, Screwtape Letters. A powerful book. It, it's, a, all this, it's, it's this narrative about uh, two demons, which is uh, it's an odd thing to talk about nowadays, but two demons, and one was training the other one how to uh, come against and, and, and block the spiritual life of this one human. So when they talk about the enemy, they're actually talking about God the Father. Um, so in this conversation, they talk about the power of the present moment, and they talked about it with fear. If you can do anything, either get the, your subject either to be locked in the past that is full of regret, shame, bitterness, unforgiveness, either have them there or perpetually in the future awaiting for all the promises on the end of the rainbow. Always with the idea of joy and sacrifice one day, but not now. Like one day I'm going to experience joy when, when I get that house or I get that job or my kids get out of the house as well or I get, you know, whatever it might be that eventually then I will be able to be that person. And what they're saying is, at all cost, get your subject away from the present moment because it's only in the present moment where time touches eternity. It's the present moment right here where we have the opportunity to engage in God's eternal work. And they spoke of it with great fear. Yet it's hard for us to live like that. It's hard for us. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane in his last moments of freedom and he went to the disciples over and over again and gave them the commandment, the simple commandment, stay awake. Stay awake. And as hard as it was for them to stay awake in that moment, I know for me too, it's hard for me to stay awake, alive and attentive. We were missing out on so much though when we just do like Martha did and follow into the expectations of our life and our world and our culture and don't break through into something else, another way to live. And stillness and quietude, they're hard. So for instance, silence is weird. Furthermore, We're not people that are used to silence, even in church, even in our Christian life. Isaiah 30, 15 said it so well. He actually said, yeah. Isaiah 30, 15. He said, in stillness, here we go. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. 
Who here wants salvation? Who here wants to be able to trust? Who here wants to experience strength? Right here, Isaiah is saying, it's in repentance, it's in rest, it's in quietness, it's there where our souls are filled. For us as people, we go to silence and meditation and having our quiet times, our moments, in parts because our souls need it. And it's also good practice for us for the rest of the day. For us to figure out what, is it, what would it look like for us to spend the rest of our day in communion with the Lord. But oftentimes in my life, I will have none of it because it's the trash day and I got to take it to the curb, right? I got to get my day going. You see, for us, when we're missing out on this moment, what we're missing out is the, the simple reminder that you and I have a soul that is in desperate need of God. Our souls are much like a wild animal. They don't naturally come to us. They're not naturally our friend. We have to sit and be with them. We have to let them wander off and come back until all of a sudden we have become comfortable with one another. And then we get to spend time with our soul, with with the Lord, and have the Lord fill us in silence and solitude and meditation and quietude, just sitting at the Lord's feet, being with Christ. For me, the reason why this sacrament is such a vehicle of God's grace, it's locked into a simple truth. That it doesn't matter where we go in this world, doesn't matter what time or what state we're in, that God's presence is waiting for us now in the present moment. That God's presence is here. You look throughout Scripture and over and over again, that's the people's experience. It's surprised to find God present here and now in that present moment. We found that in the Hebrew nation as they were wandering in the desert, they found that God was there. For Jonah, he found the fact that God was there in the belly of a well. He wrote a beautiful poem about God's presence in that well. We see that in Psalm 139, even, even if I go to the very ends of the ocean, at the ends of the sea, there you will be with me. The highest mountain, even the depths to the, to the shield, there you will be with me. God's presence is with us wherever we go, and it's so that we have this continual gift to be with God, to experience the grace in this present moment. Over and over and over again, will you have it? Do you want it? Will you respond like Jesus' command to stay awake? Okay, Lord, make me awake. Awaken my heart towards you. Lord, I, I just want to experience you right here, right now. One of the ways we know this more than anything else is through the incarnation that Jesus made himself present for us. The timelessness of God, the bigness of God actually stepped into time so that we would know and understand that God wants to be with you here right now. That Jesus did this not only as a demonstration of God's longing to be with you, but also the fact that through the power of God, time in the present moment can redeem all things. All of time watching Jesus, especially on that moment of the cross, whether or not he would give up himself, and in that moment, time, the present moment, touched eternity and it changed everything else. That power is here with you now. That Jesus longs for you to be with him. God's presence, his forgiveness, his grace is here now. Open up your hearts to it. Rend open your souls to it. Fall at the Lord's feet. Be awake and alive in the present moment. Look at how God is teaching you here and now. 
And maybe, in fact, if we do so, maybe God will wake us up. Maybe God will keep us awake and keep us alive. That's my prayer for myself. My prayer for you as well. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for stepping into our life, for stepping into this world, for stepping even into time so that we would be able to experience your grace and your mercy offered here and now. And I pray for us as a community that we would not fall into the expectations of the busyness of our world, but we would break from it. We would be reminded of your presence. That we'd be people who would want to commune and be with you to enjoy you forever. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would be growing more and more spiritually awake in you. We thank you for this gift. Thank you for the sacrament of the present moment for us to be able to know and love you right here. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.